0: Hey everybody, you're listening to Life Below the Surface, presented by Carriage Kia. The podcast where we take you on a deeper dive into the lives of the animals at Georgia Aquarium and the people who care for them. Coming up on this episode.
1: Watching this grow now into field opportunities. It's so cool to be able to see this and then getting to meet these veterans.
2: We have a group, that one that's been with us for a really long time is Shepherd Center. It's a really, really interesting group. They're great. And they come here and for the most part, they are either paraplegics, quadriplegics, or some sort of obviously spinal injury. And it's a really amazing group. They use it as part of their therapy really.
0: I'm Josh Blaylock. For the past 20 years, I've been in the zoological community. I was an animal care specialist for 15 of those years caring for sea lions, dolphins, otters, walruses, birds, and a wide variety of different species. And now I'm very happy to be the senior manager of exhibits and projects here at Georgia Aquarium. In this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to some of my amazing co-workers and tell you some behind-the-scenes stories of how Georgia Aquarium works. This is Life Below the Surface, presented by Carriage Kia. Life Below the Surface is presented by Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Carriage is Georgia's leading Kia dealer and one of the top dealers in the entire nation. Service, community and education are hallmarks of Carriage Kia in Woodstock. When it's time for you to lease or purchase your new vehicle, we hope you'll consider Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Check them out 24-7 at CarriageKiaWoodstock.com Hey everybody and welcome to the final episode of season one of Life Below the Surface. Unbelievable. This is your host, Josh Blaylock, and today we are taking a deep dive, quite literally, into the world below the surface of our exhibits here at Georgia Aquarium. I'm joined today by Lauren Rotstead, Manager of Dive Immersion, and Jonathan Langham, Manager of Dive Safety, to talk about their jobs that take them and their teams underwater in some of the world's largest exhibits every single day. Guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited you guys are here. This is the final episode and we get to talk about something that's really cool and something that always excites the guests other than of course, seeing the animals and that's seeing people in the water with the animals. And that's where you guys spend a majority of your, uh, of your time here. So it's obvious you both have some of the coolest jobs at the aquarium and a lot of people are very jealous because I'm sure they're wondering how they can do this too. So I'm going to start off with just the most burning question and Lauren, I'm gonna start with you. How did you get started? in your career. How did you become the manager of dive immersion at the largest aquarium in the Western Hemisphere?
2: Well, Josh, I took kind of a a weird path to getting to be the manager of the dive immersion program here. My background actually starts in biology and geology, and I ended up getting a master's degree in maritime archaeology. And so I actually ended up working in shipwreck recovery and recording for a few years. And I realized that academia was not where my passion was. And I ended up kind of switching over to diving being my main focus, I ended up taking an internship here, actually underneath Jonathan. He was uh, dumb enough to take me on as an intern, and uh, I kind of never left. And so that's how I ended up here. Once I kind of realized my passion really lied in diving and being underwater, it just felt right to stay here and kind of expand my horizons there as opposed to continuing on in more of an academic fashion
0: gotcha so actually i've known you for a long time mm-hmm. i had no idea that you started off kind of like in archaeology like did you ever find any treasure pirate ships you know anything cool
2: so, <laughs> well, I can't tell you about the good stuff, but, no, I'm just kidding. Scout's honor. So what I did is I worked in the Great Lakes for a couple of years, and then I worked in North Carolina and South Carolina, and the program that I was with, we worked on Queen Anne's Revenge. So that's the shipwreck off of North Carolina, and it was supposedly or allegedly or has yet to be proven not to be Blackbeard's ship. And so my main work there while I was finishing up my degree was I was helping preserve artifacts coming off of that wreck.
0: I did a seventh, eighth, and ninth grade book report on Blackbeard. I'm obsessed with his story. You've been holding out all these years. I had no idea. I'm actually kind of upset at you right now (laughs) that you have not told me about that. That is really cool.
2: You never asked the specific question of what I was doing in 2014. To twenty fifteen, to twenty sixteen.
0: Okay, duly noted. That's that's fair. <laughs> She's uh, being humble, John. Yeah, I, <laughs> that is that's absolutely amazing. And that's just, you know, that's That's really cool because I've known you for a long time and I didn't even know that story. So for our guests, our everyday guests that come in here and and think that this place is just about the exhibits or just about this or that, there is so much more. And that's why this podcast has been so cool. So I'm glad we're we're ending with kind of a story like that because I had no idea. That's really cool. And we are going to talk more and more about this and potentially, you know, when season two comes around, yeah, we're going to get into a whole thing about pirate treasure. (laughs) Yeah, I can already see it. Season two, episode three. Buried Treasure with Lauren Rotstead. All right. That's <laughs> amazing. All right. So, Jonathan, same. That, that's going to be tough to beat, buddy. I mean, you want me just to skip this one? Oh, no. Nah, no. Nah, okay. I'm all gonna... right. Fair enough. So, Jonathan, how did you get started? How did you, how did you end up here as the manager of dive safety? Which, not going to lie, is probably one of the most critical jobs that we have here for you know, guests and staff and things getting in the water.
1: So, Josh, I took kind of a different approach like Lauren did. My background before the aquarium was emergency medical services. And so going to school for paramedic, I finished that, and then I wanted to move to the big city and run, you know, a lot more higher acuity calls. And so moved up to Atlanta, found out the aquarium was going to be built, and I said, man, I'm going to work there one day. I really want to be on that dive team. I didn't have the credentials just yet, and so I just continued my career in EMS working for Grady EMS, which is the 911 provider here for the city of Atlanta. I worked up in like Sandy Springs, Roswell, Alpharetta area a lot. And then I'd say my coolest break for that was moving to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, and I worked for them for seven years. And was on their critical care transport team, also on the helicopter, so you know I got to live my dream as a flight paramedic, you know which is one of the the top things that you can do in EMS with that. I then took a just a part time maintenance diver position when our dolphin habitat opened up here, and from there, I just worked my way up and I started i be I was an advanced open water diver when I started here now i 'm an instructor trainer. And the aquarium has allowed me to do some very cool stuff with my diving career. Now, with my diving career, I've been obsessed with diving since I was in the seventh grade. My parents thought it was a, uh, just a phase, is like they said. And my senior year of high school is when I said, look, I'm 18, and you don't have to sign for me anymore, and I'm just going to go get my diving lessons. And so that was actually my senior present, was my diving lessons and so I've been diving for over 20 years now and you know it was just very cool to have these two different paths merge like they did and to where I'm at now and love what I do every day it's truly a blessing to be here for the past 11 years
0: that's really cool okay so Lauren you were basically an underwater Indiana Jones and Jonathan you were out saving lives all over the metro Atlanta area for a long time yes helicopter and a helicopter. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Absolutely amazing. So with with all of that being said, and looking at your path to to the aquarium, and I'll, Jonathan, I'm gonna start with you. What does your day to day look like? Well, what's an everyday task for the manager of dive safety?
1: So that's one of the neat things. And this is kind of like how it was in EMS is no two day is the same. One day I might be at the pool doing swim tests. Another day I might be out in the field doing rescue diver training. We also have the other quote, unfun stuff end quote, you know, like all that admin and all the paperwork that we have to do. But I mean, that's just, that's minuscule for what we actually get to do here. You know, like what I try to do when I get here in the mornings is most of our dives are done in the mornings. And so I walk around to make sure all of our divers are needing what they need. I'll watch them dive from the windows. And then there's other times I just want to get in the water with them and to make sure that, you know, they're all following proper procedures and, you know, being safe and all that. So, Each day is different for me, and that's what I still really like about what I get to do versus, you know, like how EMS, it was just, you never had two
0: of the same days. Very cool. All right, Lauren, same question to you. What does your, what does your day-to-day look like?
2: So my day is going to be a little bit more regimented. We run 365, and we also have a CAGE program, and that is in our sharks exhibit, and that's just going to have sharks in it, and we run that every day as well. And so we are a little bit more restricted on time and a little bit more schedule oriented just because we do have guests coming through every single day, so we really need to make sure that we hit those time frames to make sure everything runs smoothly. So basically my big thing is making sure that my full staff, we've got about 30 people right now who are all instructors and dive masters with a ton of experience with really diverse backgrounds, with really different ways of doing things that are all great ways of doing things, making sure that they all can come together and basically come together and bring the same result each time. And so that's basically what my day consists of is kind of working within a little bit more of a regimented schedule and making sure that a bunch of really talented people really talented individuals with really diverse backgrounds can come together and make sure that we hit the same result every single time to make sure that our guests have a really amazing time no matter which exhibit they're in.
0: All right, that all sounds pretty pretty intriguing there, pretty interesting. Lauren, one thing that's definitely kind of noteworthy is where your office is located. It's a high traffic area right outside the administration restrooms. Can you just share just an anecdote of something that you've heard or you know what what is the day in the life when you're sitting there in your office what are some of the sights and sounds that you hear going by you every day
2: I get a a cacophony of sights and sounds is that right I do yeah every day pretty much every hour on the hour especially when meetings let out there is a stampede keeps me busy
0: any anecdotes of, of things you might have heard
2: Do you want me to name names?
0: No, 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 not names. More of just just sound effects, really.
2: From you specifically, or... You've never
0: heard anything from me. I know that for a fact. I have my secret spot, and I'm never telling. It's actually by Jonathan's office, which is fine. So, but with what you guys were just talking about, you guys both use the word different a lot. Like, no two days are the same. Every day is different. Your teams are different. Volunteers, employees, that kind of deal. So, when you talk about every day being different... I can also think that there's probably some difficulty in there as well that you guys just mentioned a lot and your jobs are, have a huge, enormous amount of responsibility. So Lauren, what would you say that like the, the, the hardest part or the most difficult part of your job is?
2: I would say the hardest part is making sure that the team is prepped for anything. Once you're underwater, you lose the ability to have that kind of back and forth communication, right? You can use hand signals, you can look at each other, you can wave people down. But when there is an emergency, you have to know what to do without discussing it. There is no, hey, can you help me with this? Or, oh, this person needs help with this. You have to figure out what it is. Sometimes people don't tell you what's wrong. You have to figure out what's wrong. And then you have to figure out how to handle it while still making sure everyone else underwater is okay. And so I would say that the biggest challenge for probably anybody that works with guests or divers or anyone underwater is making sure that you know how to handle anything underwater without hesitation. There is no back and forth talking. You figure it out, they're not gonna tell you what's wrong and you have to learn how to see the signs before it becomes an issue. Because once something's an issue underwater, you're already in a dangerous area and so I would say the biggest thing for my team is learning and teaching and getting everybody into to a place where they are so prepared and so used to the idea and the signs that something might be going wrong is to preemptively look for it they are already there they're already taking care of it before it's an issue and I would say that's probably our biggest challenge is getting people to the place of not responding but preemptively taking care of something before it becomes an issue it's just something that comes with training and time and a lot of that comes from jonathan's training honestly and it comes with practice and just exposure to diving and guests and exhibits and animals and all that kind of stuff
0: well that's a really nice lead into to jonathan what is what is the hardest part of of your day
1: so the hardest part of my day is dealing with the you know i have multiple roles that i have to play but diver safety is the ultimate like the number one. When we discuss about human factors and psychological skills in diving, you know, we have close to 300 divers here at the aquarium and, you know, whether it's volunteers or staff, it's very easy to with the amount of diving we do that you could see complacency and so, you know, actually having to making sure people are following proper procedures and being safe. It's a fun place to be, staff and volunteers alike. You know, they love getting into Ocean's Voyager every morning and taking care of our animals. And sometimes that they don't need to be getting in the water. And I have to be that bad person. My team has to be the bad people to say, hey, no, you can't get in the water today. You know, hey, it'll be here tomorrow. And so having to be that bad person sometimes is is probably the worst part of my job.
0: Right. But at the end of the day, it's all about safety.
1: It's all about safety. Yeah. And what I also tend to think is I love what I do so much. I love diving so much. I have no problem calling a dive because I want to be able to do it the next day and then the next day after that. And so yeah, it's not fun to to have to be that person sometimes, but hey, it's worth it in the end.
0: Right. That's very very good points there because of course you want You know, not just the not just the guests, but you also want the staff and the volunteers to have good, memorable experiences as well. And it just takes one accident to really, Mm -hmm. you know, to really kind of mess things up there. So, in the spirit of awesome and memorable experiences, we do some really cool programs here. Lauren, I know you mentioned the the swim and the dive in Ocean Voyager, as well as the sharks cage dive, but we also have some really special groups. They get to and probably for the the one opportunity they have to see these animals up close is through some of the programs that that you and your team offer. I know especially with with some of our veterans programs and children's programs, they're extremely special and honestly they don't get as much credit as they deserve with how just how absolutely beautiful they are. Can you just kind of take us into some of the really cool programs or things that we do or that you've, some anecdote experience that you've had from those cool programs?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we do um, every Wednesday, or almost every Wednesday, we do have a veterans immersion program, um, which is where we have a group of veterans that come through um, and they do a program with us, whether it be a cage dive, a dive in Ocean Voyager, or a swim with us. It's usually the swim, just because we have a larger proportion of people that aren't divers, which is a really amazing experience. We also have a group that is just really amazing to kind of, that one that's been with us for a really long time is Shepherd Center. And they've been coming here for years. It's a really, really interesting group. They're great. And they come here and for the most part, they are either paraplegics, quadriplegics, or some sort of obviously spinal injury. And it's a really amazing group. They use it as part of their therapy, really, is they'll go to the pool before they come here and they'll work on their snorkeling. And these are people who are recovering from traumatic injuries. Some people may be on their way to walking again, and some people know that they're not. And it's really, really cool to see people, some of them are 14, 15, 16. It's a really amazing experience to see a 15-year-old kind of look at you with a smile on their face knowing that they're not going to walk again and still just be happy and they're excited to be here and they'll let you know what to do to help them but they also want to kind of push their limits and see what they can do on their own watch them before they hop in the water and then see the difference when after they hop on the water and see kind of what they could do and how excited they are and just what an experience it is for them it's a really rewarding but also just mostly rewarding i mean i think it's great for them because they're excited they get to see some stuff but i think it's even more rewarding for our team it's easy for you to forget how special this is because we're here every day right and then you see it from someone else's perspective that's been through just a really tough time and see how amazing it is for them it kind of brings it home at how really cool it is and so shepherd center is definitely one of our team's favorite to see come through
0: that's amazing absolutely beautiful Jonathan, do you have anything to add to that question as well? Anything you've experienced over the years with those programs?
1: Yeah, so I was in dive immersion as well before I was in my current role. And so actually getting to watch this program, how it was then so many years ago to where it is and how it's grown now has just been amazing. You know, And even now we have expanded into the field with our military salute program. And now being able to take these veterans off the coast of Jupiter, Florida – By the way, if you've never dove Jupiter, it's an amazing place to dive. You know, watching this grow now into field opportunities is just, it's so cool to be able to see this. And then getting to meet these veterans. And then watching them, you know, when we first meet them, you know, they're just very quiet and reserved. And then you get them in the water a few dives, and now you just can't get them to shut up. And it's great. You know, it's just just watching that transition for them is just amazing
0: absolutely love it because in in a lot of previous episodes, we've talked about quite a bit how Georgia Aquarium is not just Atlanta, how we've been to Africa, Indonesia, all over the world with conservation research initiatives, but hearing this one now too from Atlanta down to the Atlantic off of Jupiter, Florida. That's a, that's a whole nother kind of realm there where our footprint expands outside of the state of Georgia. And that's a really cool thing. I actually wasn't aware that we did that. That's really, really cool. So with all the cool things that we just talked about, and Lauren, I'll put you right on the spot, rapid fire answer, what's like the coolest thing, besides for meeting me, what has been like the coolest part of your career here at Georgia Aquarium?
2: I would say the field work. That's an easy one for me. I didn't say, I mean, the passion for me lies underwater. And as much as being in the exhibit is amazing and working in the exhibit is cool, I mean, there's nothing like getting in the ocean and doing work out in the ocean. So anytime I get to go in the field, that's it for me. That's 100%.
0: Okay. With that being said, let's double down on that. What's your favorite spot that you've been to for work?
2: For work. I mean, I just went to Jupiter. That was really cool. I mean, I would say that's the best, like kind of like pretty diving i've ever seen but i went on a hara trip that was pretty amazing Um, that's where they do studies on a dolphin population in florida as well that was pretty cool just because it's something i didn't know about i've never been a part of something like that and so that was a really cool learning opportunity but i would say probably dive wise
0: jupiter was the best diving one very cool jonathan same question coolest experience you can you can think of
1: so I have a hard time nailing down just one cool experience. You mentioned Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on that Indonesia trip, and that's the furthest the aquarium has ever sent me. You know, where we were doing those health assessments on wild whale sharks out in Chinderwashi Bay with Dr. Al Dove and his team. So, you know, spending three weeks in Indonesia, I can't have any complaints for that. I mean, I have to say that's probably one of the most coolest thing I've done here yet. But, you know, going to the flower gardens off of Texas, you know, and being on a live aboard for a week, 120 miles off the coast, doing reef studies out there, being able to go to coral spawning, putting nine hours underwater one day on a rebreather, and then watching these coral spawn, which is actually happening right now as well. Doing several of those types of trips with coral reef spawning. So down in the Keys, putting nine hours underwater on a rebreather in one day not waking up, but coming up from the surface and it's two o'clock in the morning. And I'm just sitting here looking at the stars floating in the Atlantic ocean. I was like, man, this is just so cool that I'm doing this. So I would agree with Lauren too, is, you know, the field work is really amazing. But then also, you know, here at the aquarium, being able to save lives, like having that feeling of, Hey, I've got to help that person. And knowing that that person is okay. Now, and us knowing that, the skills that we have developed here, you know, to be able to help people. I mean, that, that's, that's one of the coolest parts of my job.
0: That's awesome. So you guys have mentioned, you know, Jupiter, Florida, the Florida Keys, Indonesia, places like that. We have our own kind of little inland ocean right here in Atlanta. And probably some of the coolest uh, dive spots for some novice divers that they're ever going to get a chance to see. Whale sharks, mantas, you know, bowmouth guitarfish, things like that. So let's say you had the choice, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Someone came in one day and said, Lauren, you get to go dive in your favorite habitat. Where are you going?
2: I would say Ocean Voyager. It's the largest. You've got a lot of kind of space to kind of move around and just enjoy your dive. It's nice and easy. And I'm a sucker for the mantas. So that's an easy one for me.
0: Awesome. Jonathan, same question. If you were just going to go on a fun dive, any habitat you wanted when you, when you came into work, you get to choose where are we going to find you.
1: So I would agree with Lauren on Ocean Voyager just, I mean, because it's just so big and the animals in there. But if I had to choose a smaller habitat, it would be our tropical diver habitat, our volcano habitat, which is in the tropical diver gallery. You know, we do change those out and being able to get the dive with those just just those different species of fish as as we change them out is, is very neat.
0: Very, very cool. All right. So let's talk to real quick the next generation of divers when Jonathan, I'm going to ask you this one, say some young kid out there, like my nephew, he's eight years old. I promised him that when he turned 12, that uncle Josh was going to get him scuba certified. What's your best advice to anyone out there that, you know, old young wants to give diving a try. So
1: one of my favorite terms is I like to nerd out. And so I do that with diving. I do that with the other sports that I'm heavily involved in just start at the basic and just work your way up dive a lot you know immerse yourself into the different articles and even now with social media you know just all the different pages that you can follow learn as much as you can never stop learning you know I have to date probably over 2,000 dives now been diving for over 20 years do I know everything no I don't know everything have I've gone up like really high in my dive career yeah Lauren and I you know the most recent thing we did was take our instructor trainer course which you know we're now allowed to certify people to become dive instructors but even going past that you know on the the higher end type diving like I like to cave dive you know I like to do something called technical diving which means I can go deeper and stay down longer I like having all those different specialties And so that's what I would recommend is definitely going and getting your open water certification that we like to call it. But if you decide that this is something that you want to do for a career, move yourself up in the diving industry as much as you can. And on top of that, it's not just the diving, but also learning. Like I've taken a big interest into leadership and management. You know, I love developing people one of my favorite success stories as you might would say would actually be Lauren I mean she was my second intern that I brought in and now we're at the same level it's just so cool to see that
0: and I'd say too after meeting Lauren the accomplishment of just having her climb the ladder is, is very, uh, it's a problem. I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. Lauren, you're my, one of my favorites.
2: The chances (laughs) were so low.
0: (laughs) So no, uh, that, that was a great answer. And I I don't think Lauren has probably much to add to that. You, you covered quite a bit. So Lauren, I'm going to ask you this one. Let's say you are already scuba certified and you're taking a trip to Atlanta. Tell us about, I mean, you've, you've mentioned them. Talk about the different programs that, that your team offers here and how they can meet you in person.
2: So there's three different options you can have if you want to come on over to the Dive Immersion Program. We have a dive and Ocean Voyager in that when you do have to be open water certified, just like Jonathan was saying, that's the base level of diving certification, meaning you're an autonomous diver and you just have to have that basic level. You don't have to have a whole bunch of dives under your belt. We provide everything for you. All you have to bring is yourself, a bathing suit, and that little certification card. We provide all of the gear, the wetsuit. We do a whole briefing. We have dive matches in the water with you, along with a videographer, and we edit your video for you while you're in the water. And so it's truly like five-star diving. We take care of everything. You're guaranteed to see at least one whale shark, If you don't let us know they should be in there Um, so we really enjoy taking people diving and we really hope that people see that and so we try to make sure that our guests see that every single time we hop in your other option in Ocean Voyager is to do the swim the swim is going to be um, on the surface and you're gonna have on a life vest so you don't need to be certified to do that and we do recommend that you know how to swim but technically just as long as you're okay with getting in the water and floating, you're okay. It's very zen. You don't have to really do anything. We kind of just float around, and we go nice and slow. And we actually, I would recommend the swim, if you're here for the manta rays and the whale sharks, if that's really what your passion is, what you're here to see, um, they actually prefer the upper parts of the water column. And so that if that's kind of your thing, if that's what you want to get close to, I would actually recommend the swim for you because they do like to be out there and they will get super close to you. And then your third option is going to be our cage dive. So this is gonna be our newest option. You do not have to be certified for it as well. And you can hop in the cage and we dunk you in the cage into the sharks exhibit. So this is on surface supplied air and you're gonna have a full face mask on, but it does have comms. So you will be able to communicate with your instructor who's in the cage with you and with the other people in the cage. And so it'll be just like you see kind of in all the pictures of cage cage diving, you're going to literally be standing in a cage with a big full face mask on and it'll be surface applied air. And it's pretty cool. We take you on a track and you get to go through the whole exhibit and we take a video of that as well for you.
0: Very cool. I know you both know this and I think I've touched on it in, in some previous episodes before, but the cage dive is near and dear to my heart <laughs> as being part of the unbelievable design team that had the challenge of how do you create a 2 to, we have two cages? How do you create a two cage dive in a singular habitat and have people get up close and personal, basically go on an underwater safari inside a giant habitat full of large sharks? That honestly would probably be an entire episode again for season two. Season two is going to be awesome. But yes, because that story of how the cage was designed, we traveled out to, to Denver. We tried a cage there. We went to Florida. We tried a different cage program there. We saw what we liked, saw what we didn't like. We flew out to then California to see our cages being built. And a really cool, the same firm that built the Harry Potter rides at Universal Studios also built our shark cage attraction. So it's, it's a really cool thing and I could go on and on about, about that experience, but we wanted to make that one as, as cool and as special as possible. And I think from what you know, guest reviews and, and just the smiles of people's faces after they take their masks off, that that, that one's quite successful.
2: Definitely. Awesome. definitely.
0: It's now time for a quick break as we jump right into what has become a fan favorite segment, and that's Fin Files with Carly and Kelsey. What do we got today, ladies?
3: So I know you guys are talking about diving on the podcast today. I'm something of a diver myself. So I wanted to talk about what is one of my favorite hobbies that's now very popular amongst divers, which is looking for and photographing nudibranchs, which are very tiny species. There's actually 3000 different species of them all around the world. And most of them are only four to 10 centimeters. So they're very small animals, but they have the craziest colors and patterns and are beautiful creatures so when you can get a really nice photograph of them they look absolutely insane. They're very cool animals. So I just wanted to talk about that with diving.
0: No, that's a very cool point too, because it just, it shows you that even experienced divers, there's so much out there to see. There's so much still to explore and uh, being one of the best hobbies, if you will, for, for ecotourism and for preserving our oceans, it's gotta be scuba diving. Cause those folks are, are in that element. They, they want to see those things and, and keep it protected. So. With nudibranchs, is there a hotspot? Is there one place that's better than the next? Or if you're going anywhere, is there a chance you're going to see one?
3: So I know that they like to hang out in rocks and everything. So they are really good at hiding. They're definitely something that you have to know to look for. You're not just going to come across one, I wouldn't think. But yeah, they're found all over the world. So I think anywhere that you're diving, if you're interested in nudibranchs, you should definitely try to look for some because they are very, very cool.
0: That's awesome. I'm going to have to check that out on my next dive. Ladies, thank you so much. We'll see you all again on Pen Files. Hey, everybody. I'm joined by Chris Duncan, videographer and content producer at Georgia Aquarium, as well as the videographer for this podcast, Life Below the Surface. And if you want to talk about someone who actually spends a lot of time in his life below the surface, that's Chris. And if you stalk any of our social media channels, you'll know how awesome this guy is at his job. So Chris, first of all, welcome. And I know I'm not the only one who envies your job. Can you just take a second to tell us what it is you do here? That
4: was a nice intro, thank you. It was a very nice (laughs) intro, you're welcome. I I don't like being in front of the camera, typically. It's weird. Yeah, man, I have the coolest job in the building. I think a lot of people would, um, I get in trouble for that. A couple of my colleagues might disagree, but Day-to-day is different. Every day I come in and uh, you know, you kind of have a list of projects, what, what we got going on. Uh, some days I might be diving underwater filming, other days I might be dry filming, but i uh, uh, you know, got a camera in my hands pretty much 24-7, so even while I sleep.
0: Very cool. And we're going to take it a little bit even further back. I know you and I, for years, have kind of had that connection of South Florida yeah, diving, I mean, yeah, very, very big in, in the, into South Florida diving, area, the West Palm to Fort Lauderdale area. I know those are some reefs and some shipwrecks that you for and sure. I have both frequented. Yep. But also for both of us too, we both have a connection with the mouse. Uh, I know you spent a little bit of your career at Walt Disney World in Orlando, and uh, I also worked there as well to kind of kind of got my foot in the door in the attractions industry. Yeah, um, was working there at Disney World, what was your time like? I believe you worked at The Seas, correct?
4: Uh, I did, yeah, that's um, really, I mean, I've been scuba diving for a long time, but that really kind of set the right path for, for this career. I mean, without working for, for the mouse, you know, I never would be where I am, but my time at Disney was, was that. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, you talk to any former cast member, or current cast member, right? It's always, you know, oh, I, did, I don't miss working for that company. Absolutely not, it was great. So I worked at The Seas and, we did daily guests can pay, as they can do here, um, actually our, our dive program was modeled after Disney's. They can pay, they can dive in the exhibit, and uh, I was just a the facilitator there. That led to the job I had here, running the dive team for a while. But filming just took over, and so yeah, now I work for the marketing communications team, and and I get to film all these beautiful animals. So,
0: so yeah, it's a great job. Well, I mean, speaking of magic, Chris, and, and thanks to you, my social media every now and then gets these amazing photos when I reshare some of the work that you've done here in your time with, with the marketing department, man. You have captured fire underwater Cheers. With some of the incredible animal shots that you have. In fact, I think one of the best whale shark photos I've ever seen is the, the one you took over by the, the, the main theater window. And I believe it's a kind of coming in hot. It's just this beautiful profile shot of a whale shark. And that has been duplicated. And heck, it's even been painted for our Halloween display. Yeah. It got painted as part of our endangered things set up. And I know that uh, me being in the exhibits and graphics world, that photo will be used many, 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 many <laughs> times in <laughs> the future it, because yeah. I love it. But you have captured some incredible images of our animals. So what's been the most fun part of kind of capturing that magic. How do you get such great shots of these animals?
4: Um, you're too kind. One, it is cool seeing your photos kind of develop from you know, just something that's in camera, then all of a sudden it's on a billboard or a, a, a painting or when you shot a photo, they, they, uh, they made a Lego out of it. I remember that was that was kind of cool too. It's just capturing photos, it's one of the more, I, I enjoy it the most, because it's, it's uh, one of the more challenging things I find. It's hard to just, capture that right moment, especially when it's lighting, and you know, I can go on a, a tangent, photography nerd in me. But really just understanding you know the animal's behavior and the position and lighting, that's really kind of the first thing I look for. I love animals, obviously, I'm here. And so when you watch them for such a long time, I think that's kind of the key. To finding that right that image, knowing that all right, this shark is definitely going to turn here at this point in time. Obviously, it doesn't always work out, you know, uh, and that's the joy in it. <laughs> that's the fun part, because sometimes you pull out um, gold, you know, when you meant to, you know, shoot something completely different, and everything just turns up on its head. That photo in particular, the light was just perfect that day, and uh, yeah, the, the whale shark was doing the, these these patterns that. I was like all right you know in about five minutes it's going to come right through that light and sure enough um he did and i just happened to be there right and the camera settings happen to be on point so um a lot of a lot of different variables a lot of stars have to align to capture a good photo man but especially underwater you know that's a whole different beast but really it's, it's up to the animals I, I joke people are very very kind sometimes i just push buttons you know it really it's uh, having such a, a vast array of species in this building really makes for a, quite the portfolio, so I think that's that's really the key element here.
0: And I think one thing for for all all you listeners out there, as a guest, you can get some incredible photos. Absolutely, like some of, from the gallery side of things. You can get some amazing images of our animals to be able to look at and and share. But uh, Chris here actually gets to get in the exhibit. He gets in there with the animals. He's in there with the whale sharks and the mantas. He's in there with the hammerheads and the sand tigers and things like that for some of these uh, some of these amazing shots, but you don't just get to get in the water here. You actually have gotten to go on some expeditions, correct?
4: Yeah, yeah, that is part of my job too. I don't just document in-house, right? We, Me and, and, and my team, there's there's two of us, but we'll travel, especially with our research and conservation team, I tell their story. I mean, we do some pretty cool, cool trips. So uh, the aquarium is great uh, with that. So just filming all the stuff that people wouldn't normally see walking through the doors, that's, that's a lot of fun too. It's awesome.
0: And now thanks to things like social media and uh, other media kind of outlets like that, underwater photography is actually a pretty effective tool in ocean conservation. Truly. When you can capture the beauty of the ocean, when you can capture those fragile moments, those intense moments, those right. beautiful moments, it's something that people can look at and say that you know this is this is worth saving. So, with some of these some of these conservation trips, you get to go on. Yeah. What's the farthest you've gone? What's some of the cool stuff you've gotten to do out there in the field?
4: Uh, I mean the farthest uh, last year we went to the Galapagos Islands. That was that was incredible.
0: You got to go to the Galapagos. We
4: got yeah yeah we our research and conservation team. We were doing it was a, a multi-part trip actually. We were doing shark, toothy sharks, and um, whale sharks. We're studying all the species in that area pretty much. So we had one team dedicated to to toothy sharks, Galapagos reef sharks, hammerheads, and then another team dedicated to to studying whale sharks. That was an epic trip. That was the furthest and probably the coolest trip I've been on.
0: That's amazing. Can you describe, was there a particular day or a cool event of that trip that... uh... Do uh, you
4: recall? Man, I, it, all in all, it, we could have a whole episode on that. Just being in the Galapagos was incredible. I mean, just such a vast array of biodiversity. It's just, just the flora, the fauna. I mean, it, did, it didn't really matter, you know, even not underwater. One island has penguins, another one has giant tortoises and then another one has marine iguanas. I mean, it's like, what, do you, what, do, you, what all do you want? And all the while, underneath all the water, you know, you've got some of the largest shark aggregations in the world. So that place is special to nature enthusiasts, and I highly recommend it. There was one day in particular, I mean, my first whale shark, seeing that, that was an emotional experience, I will say, because it, it was three days before we actually saw a fish and the fish we were looking for, tons of fish, obviously, but uh, big whale shark, big spotted fish. And uh, yeah, three days, and and the guide that we were with, he said, um, usually on a new moon, that's when we'll see one, and the next day was a new moon. So kind of knocked on wood, went to bed, and uh, we got up the next morning, that was the first whale shark we saw. I remember that too, it was my little brother's birthday. So that was kind of special, and because I can't communicate with him, right? We only had sat phones, and that was just for emergencies, but, that was the first day I saw it and it's, it, it, it's hard to tell because you know the ocean obviously is, is vast and there's no point of reference where when we're diving you're 70 feet deep just floating right so you, you really don't know how deep you are or where you're at and you just see this kind of small shadow coming out of <laughs> the vast blue and it really you don't know how big it is or what it is at that time. But um, our, our researchers, they were pretty positive it was a whale shark and they were right because it got closer, it got bigger and bigger. And oh my gosh, man. I mean, that just kind of took your breath away. I, I got back to the boat and I looked at my boss and uh, there may have been one or two tears, I don't know. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll save that, but yeah, I think uh, she captured the, a photo of me just smiling from ear to ear and that, that was probably the most incredible moment. but. I mean, yeah, the nights where you see every star in the sky. I mean, horizon to horizon. I mean, the, the Milky Way is just right there. It's in the middle of nowhere, right? So it's it's just an experience like none other.
0: You're getting me jealous talking about that. You know, I'm, I'm really getting into astrophotography and things like that. And, and oh man, yeah. Uh, photos can capture those moments. Totally. And photos, I think, can really be used, and they are being used thanks to things like social media and different outlets along those lines, that they can be used to help effectively enhance conservation messaging. And when people see how beautiful and how much we actually have to lose, nothing represents that better than just an amazing photograph.
4: You're absolutely right. I mean, you nailed it. I mean, when, to, like, when it comes to diving too, I mean, people don't, you know, you might, it's an image that you might not be able to normally see, right, everyone's got a camera now um, in their pocket. So you know, people are taking photos more than ever now, all right? And, and uh, so I have the ability to kind of get a different angle, if you will, right? But um, you're absolutely right, and when it comes to the conservation message, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're taking a photo of. Some of the greatest photos are, are a piece of plastic, right, that maybe a seahorse has lived in, and that photo right there just tells a whole message and a story of conservation. So um, you're absolutely right, and I think that's one of the things I love, man. Yeah.
0: So I, uh, this is kind of a self-deprecating story, but I wouldn't even say I dabbled. I attempted to do some underwater videography back in the day with my very first GoPro camera. Yeah, I should have done a lot more research. I was a little ignorant when it came to how to use it. And I was so excited that I was down on the beautiful reefs of uh, South Florida there and uh, turned on the camera and went down and had a beautiful dive, perfect conditions and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was so excited to get home and I plugged it in and I started watching the video and I about threw up because it was the most fast paced and wobbly and all over the place video because I didn't do my homework. I didn't do my research on what is gonna give the best shot. So one of the best dives of my life is recorded as if I'm in a tornado. and is completely unwatchable. Yeah. So what is some advice? You say everyone has a camera now, but yeah, underwater yeah, videography yeah. Is, is very much a, it's on a trajectory up. It's a very thriving industry right now. What is some advice you would give to a novice underwater photographer that wants to capture those incredible undersea moments?
4: Yeah, um, I love that story. We've all had moments like that. So um, that's kind of it. Uh, if you're not willing really to suck at first, then it's not for you. I mean, it's a it's your, it's a challenging for even some of the most experienced photographers. Uh, you're taking something. I always joke if I'm teaching or telling people. I mean, these cameras aren't made to be underwater, right? You're taking something that's that's you know for landscapes and and you know cute pictures of your dog. Um, we're gonna you know put it in this housing, shove it you know 80 feet deep and see what happens, right? Where there's no light, which is pretty much the key to photography. It really is just getting your gills wet getting your hands on a camera, and learning everything you can about image composition and the camera itself. I mean, I tell a lot of people, you know, you you spend time on all these expensive cameras, um, and you're gonna leave it on auto, you're really just kind of wasting your time. So get into it, dive deep, do research, nerd out, spend time looking at YouTube videos, um, and then surround yourself with people that know more than you. (laughs) I think that's the best thing to do yeah that, that saying like if you're the smartest man in the room it, it's uh, never been more true when it comes to any type of art i think but more so photography i have a lot of mentors a lot of different mentors i learned you know how to start shooting photography underwater before i even started shooting above right and so really when i took this job my my skills with a camera were very <laughs> not very good on land, right. um, which is kind of weird. It's usually the opposite, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah man. Uh... You got to be willing as a, as a new photographer, videographer who wants to get in the game to just experience you know different types of lighting, learn as much as you possibly can. It's like with anything in life, man. You know, it's 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 any job. It's with scuba diving. It's yeah. You just got to be willing to get your feet dirty, and and uh, you got to be willing to. Not produce good stuff. I mean, and that's all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, out of 300 photos, maybe I've got one or two that are worth, you know, printable material. So you got to get used to being disappointed. I think that's the best advice, and uh, just keep pushing, persevering. That's yeah. that's the key.
0: Well, and, and guys, definitely take this uh, take this advice to heart because you know not only does Chris have some amazing photos here in the building, but you've gotten a chance to do some some videography for for some networks and stuff too, right? Yeah. uh, Some of your work was actually featured during Shark Week, if I'm not mistaken.
4: You're absolutely right. Yeah, um, the aquarium, we have a partnership with Discovery, so we give them a lot lot of content on a monthly basis. Um, For their social channels, Shark Week is a big one. There's been footage featured on on several episodes. I mean, we had um, the Animal Planet show for a while, actually. That was before I even had this job. That kind of got my foot in the door, truly, because not a whole lot of people in the building can produce quality footage while on on scuba and so they really kind of look to the dive team which that team runs daily programs with the guests and so they have an entire staff of underwater videographers and I just happened to be one at the time so uh, me and one of my good buddies they just went to the two of us and um, we provided all that so there's been a couple feature film appearance I mean news Basically anything you see underwater on TV, printable media, or anything is is kind of me. It's cool because you get to work with a lot of different production companies and really see how they operate. And they, they think your job is cool. I think their job is cool. So that's always fun too. It's a it's part of the gig that you know you kind of forget about. But yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome. I think one of my one of the favorite stories you've ever told me was I think it was uh, during Shark Week 2020. And some little known fact about Shark Week 2020 was that. Basically with the whole world being shut down because of the pandemic, Discovery could not go out into the field or travel to get the normal shark content that they would for that particular shark week. Yep. And they came to us and they were able to utilize our facility and really you know, kind of highlight our animals and the people that, that care for them here. And I remember that uh, you, know, you had an encounter with Shaquille O'Neal and yeah. he mistook you for a gentleman named Andy Casagrande, who's one of the most established underwater <laughs> videographers in yep. the world. And yep. that's one of my favorite stories that Shaq thought that you were Andy Casagrande. And, uh, you know, just <laughs> I could just see you kind of glowing from that. Oh, thing totally. Of, oh, man, he thinks yeah. I'm, I'm Andy.
4: That's one, awesome. of one of my icons, like a guy you look up to, I mean, when it comes to filming sharks, I mean, he's... He's one of the one best. Of the best. Yeah. We got to get him on this podcast. Actually, That'd be I, you know, incredible. I would love that.
0: Hannah, make it happen.
4: But I, I was definitely grinning from ear to ear. He, uh, he. I watched almost every Shark Week episode, not just for the fish, but yeah, like a, the whole film production side of yeah. it. I want to see how they do oh, it. It's gorgeous. And uh, so he, he's definitely up there. And I remember, Shaq looked at me and said, "You, you were in the Bahamas with me." I was actually about to go under. I didn't really correct him, but I was like, <laughs> nope. No, nope, he's just mistaken me for <laughs> another underwater videographer. See, which, I didn't know that part. So Shaq
0: still thinks that you were Andy Casabrande.
4: Uh, yeah, as far as I know. I mean, <laughs> don't tell him. Yeah, because I think they probably Shaq, have a better relationship. Yeah, if you're <laughs> listening, Shack, uh,
0: it, it was Andy. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's incredible. So, all right, so you've done some. You got some cool stuff under your belt. Sure. Yeah. What? Uh, if you're allowed to, if you're allowed to say, what's some cool stuff coming up?
4: Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, this building. It's it's quite the quite the facility. We're always innovating. There's always something new. Our current CEO is the best. And he always wants to, to update and so it I don't really know, but I know it's gonna be something cool. You know, we might have a few things in our back pocket. But for me, you know, I don't know. Uh, the next day, I mean truly like that Galapagos trip, you know, I found out a month before uh, I was going, so that's the joy is it's never boring tomorrow. Today, I didn't know I was going to be on a podcast, and, and here we are, right? So no telling what tomorrow's got in store.
0: <laughs> That's true. That That is kind of the theme of this place sometimes is truly definitely, definitely keeps you on your toes and in and, and your sake, uh, you know, keeps you underwater.
4: It keeps me underwater, yeah, man. As long as I have a camera in my hands, I'm happy. So,
0: so. Awesome. Yeah. Well, buddy, thank you so much for joining me today. Cheers, and we still it. have got to follow through. We've been talking about it for quite some time now. We got to get a dive in sometime Got to get a dive
4: in. Yeah. yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. Coming up. We'll, we'll let you guys know how that goes. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great way to wrap up season one. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed all the episodes this season. And we hope to come back with even more incredible stories. If you want to hear more, please leave us a review or drop us a comment on any of our social channels. And be sure to visit us. We love having our guests come here to Georgia Aquarium where you guys get a chance to see and experience these animals and this amazing facility up close and personal. I have personally loved connecting with all of you. So this is your host, Josh, signing off. Life Below the Surface is presented by Carriage Kia in Woodstock. Carriage is the official car dealership of Georgia Aquarium and Georgia's leading Kia dealer. Service, community, and education are hallmarks of Carriage, Kia, and Woodstock. When it's time for you to lease or purchase your new vehicle, we hope you'll consider Carriage, Kia, and Woodstock. Check them out 24-7 at carriagekiawoodstock.com. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode, and for that, we thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Life Below the Surface. If you did, please leave us a review and share this episode with your friends. Also, please tell us which topics you would like us to cover in future episodes. Send us a message in the comments or on any of Georgia Aquarium's social media channels. I'll see you in the next episode.